there's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride to not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, not a megalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. In today's edition of The Kelly Show, I have another guest that I found on Instagram and stalked and begged to come on my show. (laughs) In all seriousness, though, Hallie Rose is one of the most amazing women I've ever had the opportunity to know and have a conversation with on this show. I was just blown away with everything she said. I was hanging on her every word. And you know, when that happens, I can't stop asking questions. And I just felt so connected to her. And this is a little longer episode because I just felt like I could talk to this girl all day long and then some. We really bonded over ayahuasca and plant medicine. She spent quite a bit of time at Soltara where Connor and I um, had retreats and have spent time with the medicine. And she really has a similar approach to me and she participated in a lot of ceremonies in a short amount of time. She, she took this awareness and this desire and this calling and really dove in head first without a lot of answers, without a lot of, this is how it's going to turn out. There was so much unknown for her, but all she knew is that she felt the call and she felt divinely guided into this experience. And it blew her world open in so many ways. So we talk about all of that and this idea of really melting into the medicine, melting into your life, into different experiences and how we can access the divine feminine and slow down and really be in listening. This is such a beautiful, beautiful conversation. And I am so grateful for her to spend time being so vulnerable. She tells a couple stories in here she's never said before publicly. And it's really amazing when someone can open up and feel comfortable with our community and share things that are so heavy on their heart and so true to themselves and know that they're safe to open up here. So thank you all for holding this space for her as she opens up about some really personal experiences. I am so grateful for each and every one of you. And I think our community is just really, really special. Before we get into this conversation with Hallie, I just wanted to let you know I had so many people wanting to sign up for my first ever program that we ended up filling up the spots in just a few days. So I decided to open up another program starting July 13th. So if you're interested in being a part of Her Truth, a coming home to the wild, I would absolutely love to have you. So this is an inclusive women's program built on sisterhood, breaking free and rising. So within the four months that you'll spend with me and our group, you'll get a guided journal with prompts to release patterns and beliefs and make space for the wild woman within you. 
I'll be facilitating a monthly women's circle over Zoom with everyone. You'll also get two audio lessons every month from me and a guided audio journey for self-pleasure and connecting with your body. So we'll be covering the great unlearn, surrender, get curious, you are not broken, the divine feminine, free your voice, unlock, and play. And this is really for the woman who is ready to choose herself and be fully seen while being held by a community and sisterhood throughout the process. And you're someone who is just done going through the motions and making excuses for why you can't have the life of your dreams. You're ready to connect deeper spiritually and what you've been doing just doesn't work anymore. I'd absolutely love to hold space for you and facilitate these conversations. So if you'd like to join, we are open for enrollment right now. You can go to kellytenant.com slash her dash truth. I cannot wait to see you in there. All right, let's get to this one with Hallie. Well, this is such a divine meeting. I'm so happy to be having this time with you. Thank you so much for being here. Kelly, thank you. It's an honor. I, like we were just talking about before we hit record, you know, I've been following you for a while and I'm just so excited to finally be here with you having our first conversation. I'm sure of many. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not letting you go anywhere now. You are tied to my circle. Um, Perfect. We have so many things that I think we really connect on. And what stuck out to me about you is the genuine nature that you bring to everything you do. And there is a groundedness about your energy. And this is the first time we've ever talked uh, verbally, aside from like Instagram stalking and sliding into each other's DMs. <laughs> but you have such a strong sense of groundedness. And I don't want to really make any guesses, but I, I would believe that a lot of that is because of the plant medicine journeys that you have been on. And that has to be a contributing factor. So I would love for you to give us insight into where you feel this grounded energy is coming from within you. That is a beautiful question. And you can always tell when you're talking to another podcaster because they just ask such beautiful questions. And my answer is, is twofold. I mean, I think, yes, plant medicine has played a huge part in that groundedness. And I can dive into that more in a second. But really, my journey with plant medicine is fairly recent. It's only in the last you know, two years of my life. And personally, I'm quite grateful that I waited as long as I did before diving into that. Because I think, you know, psychedelics, plant medicine, this is a trending thing. And I think it's so easy to get enamored with the idea of personal growth and development. But the spiritual path is one that shatters you. It will. And Preach. if you are, <laughs> yeah. And if you are not down for that, like a lot of people think they're down for that. And you like, I mean, our egos like to think we're down for that. It's like, yeah, I'm strong. It's not about being strong. <laughs> I mean, it partly is, but really it's about like fucking surrendering. So what prepared me, what even prepared me to be able to do as much ayahuasca as I've done or any other plant medicine is like life before that. And what I mean by life is like, an immense amount of suffering. 
And I think that if you speak with any person who is very heart-centered and grounded and open and vulnerable, chances are they've probably walked through some shit and they've developed empathy and compassion to an extensive degree. So I think that life was my training for psychedelics, ironically. (laughs) I love that you say that too. And what comes forward for me as you're talking about that is the idea, the idea of humility in groundedness and how connected they are. And so I would like to think that I was a humble person before ayahuasca, but ayahuasca really drove that concept home for me, especially when I was at Soltara last year. And I came out of that so grateful and so humble that I have never been more grounded. And I really feel like the lack of humility caused the floating and the disconnect from being on earth and in this human experience. And then sitting with ayahuasca brought me back to my own truth and to that connectedness, which then grounded me. Does that resonate for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm also curious for you, was that at Soltara last year, was that your first time working with ayahuasca? My second. Your second? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So it was very new. And yeah. Okay. And where did you go before that? I was in Santa Cruz um, in the mountains with this amazing couple and it's a different tradition. So it was a much different experience, like lights on, healers working on you the whole time. It was still three nights, but a very different experience. Soltara, as you know, is, you know, you better be ready. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, uh, definitely not for the faint of heart. The whole Shipibo tradition with lights off, you're in your own space, you're on your own mat, you're doing your own work. Um, You're not, I know some other places they'll have you like sing there's group almost like group sing-alongs and you're singing along this is like no the healers are doing their work you're there you're receiving it and it can be a really intense uh reflection (laughs) i'm curious you talk about suffering in your life before plant medicine which i definitely understand for me i don't think i understood what suffering was until i was in ceremony though that happened for you? Yes and no. It was like I understood what I understood about suffering in ceremony was my attachment to it. Mm. That's what I understood was that I had an addiction to it, that I identified with the suffering because it made me special to have survived everything that I had survived. So to let go of the suffering meant I was just like everybody else. And in truth, I am. And that was really difficult to let go of. And so basically, this was in my first experience at Soltara as a guest, which, you know, I later kind of went there um, over the winter and joined the team. But yeah, it was really this sense of if I let my suffering go, I didn't even know 
who I was anymore. And there was a threshold on the joy I was experiencing in my life at that time because I was just so intimately connected with the suffering. So really wasn't happy. And I can't say consciously I was sad, although I was always dancing with depression in and out. But it was just kind of this stable numbness where I just felt like yeah, I could probably have anything that I wanted in life if I applied myself, but I just had no drive to do that. I felt as though in my experience leading up to it, life had been hard. I had gone through difficult things. I had suffered in different ways. And in my dramatic ego self, it was like always the end of the world. And oh my God, this is so difficult, you know, in that young girl vain mentality that so many of us have. And then when I was on the mat in ceremony, face down in what my experience was just mud and filth and shit. And I was chained and I couldn't escape. And I'm calling Matt over like, hey, I know I'm not going to die right now, but I need you to tell me and holding on to him and afterwards him being like, you're very strong because <laughs> I just had like dear life grip on his on his on his ankle. I think I was like holding on to the poor guy's <laughs> ankle. And that taught me what actual suffering was, because for me, it was giving me the perspective of lives and lives and experiences of suffering leading into this that was then allowing me to see what that actually meant. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my idea of suffering in this lifetime in from, you know, five years old to 29 was nothing in comparison to what I saw in ceremony that my soul had been through, which was actual suffering leading up to this. And so it just, it gave me a more grounded perspective as to what I was going through and that not everything is that big of a freaking deal and that you can breathe through and get through it. And then it doesn't have to define you or be everything or make you special or be the identity to which you are attached to. Yeah. I mean, you're touching on so much right now. Even even the idea of past lives is like a stretch for some people. But I think that that's one thing with these experiences of altered states of consciousness. I think as humans, we're so good at like zooming in on things. And small examples of this are like you get in a new relationship. You enter this special universe with that person for like a couple weeks where you're both buzzing with chemicals, everything, all the flowers smell good. You're cooking together. Like, you know, you're waking up late in bed and it's just like, holy shit, I didn't know life was this good, you know? And you're, but you're zoomed in, you're focused on that and kind of everything else fades to the background. So if we look at that from like an, an even bigger perspective across the course of lifetimes, of course, we're going to become focused in on this one lifetime. Like it's so immense to even consider that we've been here before and that our souls are old and that we've been on this perpetual karmic wheel and we will be for infinity. Like that's not casual dinnertime conversation. And that's the kind of stuff that keeps you up at night. But the beautiful thing is that, you know, 
I, something like ayahuasca comes in and it's just like, remember who you are. And you're like, oh, damn. Thanks for that reminder, man. Like, whoa, yeah, that really slaps me back into perspective. And that's why it's so hard because it is like it's getting slapped in the face with how petty some of the things you've been worrying about are and how much of a douchebag you've been being to be certain people in your life that you love. And it's it's ugly to look at. It's ugly. And sometimes when you're in ceremony, you want to push it away. You're like, I'm not doing that. And with this medicine, at least, that that just won't fly. Like it'll just get closer and closer and closer and closer if you try and push it away. So the only thing to do is like say yes to it and be like, okay. Like for me, when you described being face down in the the mud and the shit, it's like that reminded me of an experience I had when I was dealing the very first set of ceremonies with self-hatred, which now I can say like, I I really am at a great place with my self-love, but I was so worried about what people would think of me. And so this came up, this thought of like, I hate myself. I heard my my mind saying, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. And I was like, what? No, you don't, Hallie. Like, that's that's crazy. And it was like, no, I hate myself. And I watched these two aspects of myself try to argue. So there was one part of me that was literally bypassing the other part of me being like, no, you don't. You love yourself like you this and that. And I was just writing off the true feelings that were there and it wasn't going away. And I was weeping and I was suffering and it was it it felt like physical pain in every cell of my body. I didn't understand how to stop it and that there was no stopping it until eventually I cried and I was so exhausted and I think I threw up and then I had nothing left in the tank. And at that point, I said, "Okay, self-hatred. I'm in it. I'm here. Show me. Like, show me what it is. I'm here to sit with you. And I melted into the space of being in a bog, like with with weeping willows, kind of like what you pictured in the down deep south gators. And um, it was like this murky pool. And I was sitting in it and there were these skulls that were just like bobbing around me and it was cold it was cold in this bog and I literally started to like get the shivers I wanted to get out of there and every part of me was trying to escape and it was like no you you have to sit here in your self-hatred until you're ready to let it go and it felt like eternity oh god two minutes feels (laughs) like a million years yeah yeah I love that you use the word melt. You are just so speaking my language, sister. It's my favorite word to use when I talk about plant medicine. And no one has ever used it when I'm talking to them. So, I mean, of course you did. I love you. (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) And the reason I love the word melt is because it's exactly how it feels. Your body, when you surrender literally melts into the mat and melt into the experience where, I mean, for me, it felt like I was like paralysis. I couldn't move. I was heavy. I was just in the experience and I was, I was blasted off into it. And I, I didn't need to grasp on. I didn't need to control. I didn't need to move or convulse or do anything. It was just like fully let go, fully surrender, melt into this. Is that not the most 
somewhat scary in the beginning because you've never felt it, but most magnificent feeling you've ever had? Kelly, it is the most magnificent feeling. And and I actually want to talk about this more because there's this concept that can stretch far outside of psychedelics, which is, you know, melting into the moment. Like it's there in plant medicine. It's really easy to access because everything is set up chemically for us to get there. But these states, we can we can do this in our daily lives. And I think this is really important for people to hear because we're stuck on this hamster wheel. We're going through the to-do list. But you can melt into any moment. I mean, I'm sure that you've experienced this, you know, with a lover. I bet many of us have where there's sex that's really um, surface level. And then there's sex that you're melting into and you lose the boundaries of your body because you choose to surrender open to it. And I do this. I try to do this. I don't always, you know, I'm not always successful at it. But even right before we jumped on this podcast, I was taking a shower and I was practicing like melting into the moment of that shower and I could have just like scrubbed my armpits and like shampoo my hair really fast. And I was like, mm, like this hot water feels so good on my body, like feeling my body, feeling my skin and feeling gratitude that I was about to clean my body and put on clothes that made me feel good and sit down and do something that like fires me up. And it's it's this mental rehearsal. And I think that you can do that with food, anything. I don't know. Do you do you ever practice that, like melting into the moment? Yeah. And I was just going to say, I wish everyone could see the way you were just moving. I'm like mildly aroused watching you because it was like, you're so I'm I'm aroused. <laughs> it's like so in your feminine when you're in the melting. And that's yeah. what I was missing. And for me, I have that experience and I really create that space for myself when I take baths. Um, and that has really allowed me to open up that feeling more and more in my experience is to just literally melt into the water and play music that makes me feel good. And sometimes I dance and sometimes I just move my body and sometimes I'm touching my arms and my legs and sometimes it takes me into self-pleasure practices, but it's truly a melting into the experience and also letting my body dictate what it needs in that moment. Does it just need to be still and held by the water? Does it need to move? Does it need to flow? Like what comes from that? And I think that is so much of what I've learned from plant medicine because the medicine activates that knowing within you and then you get to let your body respond accordingly. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that the way things are in modern times is we've just put the mind on a pedestal and you know, the internet and everything, information, things are just changing, shifting, changing, growing so fast. And we forget that the body has this innate wisdom, which has been sustaining us since the beginning of time, our time. And I actually just, I'm thinking about this because it's so on the tip of my um, consciousness right now is I just released my first guided meditation, which was just like a huge hurdle to get over because I was really insecure about doing it, but people kept encouraging me. You have and the best voice, by the way. <laughs> when I listen to your show, which everyone has to go listen to, it's phenomenal. But when I listen, you have the most welcoming, calm voice. I need your guided meditation. I'm taking that in the bath with me and I'm going to melt into that because you have the best voice. <laughs> 
Well, perfect. Cause it's there and it's just launched and it's, um, it's on my website, which is, um, hallyrose.com slash meditation and it's free. And it's, and it's, it's amazing because actually how I recorded this meditation, I was really insecure about it. And like I said, and I just created a little ceremony space, created an altar and I did a little bit of hape. And I've been going through a really intense time. I've been going through a breakup, which feels like the loss of a a twin flame. And, you know, he and I drank ayahuasca together. It was just like this whole explosion that's happened for me in the last three months. And then COVID coming in and changing everything. So I've been I've been really in a process. And I did a little hape ceremony and I said, like, one, let me be a clear channel for whatever wants to come through for healing. And two, like, what does my heart need? Like, let me make this meditation for me. And completely just did it in one take, five minute meditation. And, but I talk about this idea of the body and the innate wisdom. And when you were talking about being in the bath and just like whatever feels good, I don't know if you run into this, but I have the issue of even when I'm trying to feel good, for example, meditating, I'm still controlling. I'm like, well, I'm not sitting up straight enough and I need to breathe in a certain way. And so when I did this meditation, there's one part where I just say, breathe however your body needs to breathe right now. You know, nourish your body. Let the breath do what the breath has done since the beginning of time. Allow it. You're not doing anything. You're just allowing. So, yeah, made me think of your bath. (laughs) That's so beautiful. I can't wait to listen to that. Thank you for sharing that. You were talking earlier about understanding that you're just like everyone else and that letting go of your suffering and the, the way that made you feel special was one of the hardest things. And that is something that I have struggled with as well. My background is in television and I was a TV host for a long time and I was also a top volleyball player in the country. And so much of my identity was wrapped around being the best and being seen and having special access and getting to do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. And it was like, oh, there's Kelly Tennant, Kelly Tennant, always. And as I have gone on this path, it has really challenged me to let go of that ego need to be the special one. And when I sat in ceremony, I think it was the third night at Soltara, talk about melting. This was like the ultimate melting. I melted into what came to me at that time as my soul home. And so it was all this energy and it was like blue and purple and pink. And it was very feminine, like the strong feminine holding me on every side. We were just blobs. But what I saw and heard in that experience was you're not better and you're not worse. You're all the same and you're all connected and you are one. And that completely shifted my entire mentality moving forward in that trying to hold on to this thing and trying to be this thing was really counterproductive as to what was meant for me. And it was like this internal battle I had been in for so long of, oh, I have to prove that I'm worthy. I'm good enough to be with them. I have to be this way to fit in for them to like me, for them to love me. And what I saw was just an immensely beautiful reflection back to me that 
I am accepted and I am loved because we are the same. And I love them and accept them because they are the same. And that feeling gave me a home finally. And I felt like I had been searching for a home and then I melted into it. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. I mean, that's it. What you just touched on what the crooks of life is. No big deal. Um, but I think it's hard. I think it's hard sometimes for some of us to access. And I think that this idea of oneness for someone who's not feeling it, maybe someone's going through depression or maybe someone's level of consciousness is just such that they're not there yet. So they're like, what do you mean I'm the same as that homeless person on the street? Or what do you mean? Like, even during this this whole pandemic and speaking with my parents and speaking with some people being like, well, those people are those people are taking checks and th they shouldn't be doing that. And this is going to collapse our thing. And, you know, that's easy for them to say they don't have a mortgage. And and like I see this othering occurring. And when you've touched the awareness, you can go, well, we're all one. Like it's it's going to be fine. I trust that it's going to be fine. I know this is divine. But to people who are not in that paradigm, it can seem very spiritually bypassy. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I have touched that place. And recently I've been going through another little dip dance with depression. And it's been interesting because it's different than my other run-ins where I didn't have the awareness. So now I have the awareness coupled with the feelings, allowing the feelings to move through, but the discomfort of what am I really feeling here? Oh, I'm feeling separate. That's, wow, I'm feeling separate. Wow, this is what people feel who are not in the sphere, who, are, who have not touched that place of oneness, oneness yet. This is where they're operating from all the time. This kind of like, there isn't enough. I, I'm not enough. I have to do more. Um, that person is other than me. I don't have enough energy for all these things, just this operating from this have not mentality. So it's been really fascinating to allow this experience, knowing that the tides will turn and I will eventually be in a more connected place. But but really, that's what it is. It's like when we're feeling depression, we're feeling disconnection from ourselves and from purpose and from all of humanity. And we've we've lost touch with that oneness. Where did your initial experiences with depression stem from? Ooh. Well, I mean, I think I think a series of complicated family dynamics and early traumas with, you know, my parents going through a three-year custody battle and divorce case over us when I was nine and being thrown in um, family therapy at nine and feeling like the like being smart enough to know that I was being manipulated or asked certain questions like, well, does your mom have boyfriends or like, do you who do you want to live with your mom or your dad? And I was like, I don't want to choose that. That's dumb. You know, my mom was trying to move to a different country. And so it wasn't just an issue of like living in one home. It was like my whole life was going to change. I was going to lose all my friends, my school. I had three siblings, so if I chose my dad and they chose my mom, we were going to be separated. So it was just like a, a, an immense amount of responsibility. And I think moving forward into my life, 
whether I was conscious of it or not, which I'm pretty sure I wasn't, is I didn't want to lose control like that again. So I started to create and curate my experience as one of meticulous detail where I wasn't going to let anything go wrong. And I was going to isolate a lot because other people were this big X factor that I never could control. So I was just like creating this perpetual cycle of it's safer to be alone. It's safer to be alone. And um, to some degree, I'm still working with that, you know, with friendships and with relationships and opening up. But I think that, again, that's what probably started this cycle and created those little dips of like, wait, why am I doing life if I'm doing it completely alone? What is the point of giving like I think I think this is where I get in, slide into that negative mindset, that victim mentality where you have to be careful where it's like, I'm a good person. I give so much to the world. Why am I not getting back? Why why do I keep giving myself and keep, you know, whatever, doing these podca- podcasts and, you know, standing up and sharing my truth. But like, where is mine? And that is like hit the brakes, danger zone. You're about to become a magnet for more of that if we go into law of attraction stuff. So that's what I've been doing lately is just really being vigilant about when I start to slide into those unconscious sort of movie trailers of the negativity. Mm, I feel so much of that so deeply. We, yeah, we've had very similar experiences in that way. I often look back at myself and I, I like you just started this journey within the last year and a half. My first Aya ceremony was last February. I look at the person who made the decision or who felt called to ayahuasca and I'm like, how did you get there? Because you were such a control freak (laughs) and you chose to do the thing that asks you to surrender more than anything in the whole world. Why did you feel called to plant medicine when that has been your personality for so long? Mm, It is. That's such a good question. Um, With ayahuasca, my, so my first experience was last April. And so since then, there's been 13 ceremonies. Um, so I, I dove pretty deep, pretty fast. But that, that initial first set of four, when I went to Soltara as a guest, the background is I was in Austin, Texas for Aubrey Marcus's Fit for Service program, which I was enrolled in. And we had a summit there. And that's where I met Dan Cleland, who is one of the co-owners of Soltara, and he got up on stage and said that what he he just started the center. He invited everybody in our group to check it out, maybe come down, experience ayahuasca there. And no one in my family except for my brother had done ayahuasca. He had gone to Peru and he was very much of the camp that you you know you should you should go to where the medicine is native from and have the the true jungle experience. But I was coming from a background of, well, being a woman, for one, (laughs) having had some negative travel experiences alone in foreign countries and 
really wasn't feeling safe to do that. I'd heard a lot of negative stories about healers and shaman sort of being sexual predators. And I think that's still a shadow side of, of the what's going on with this, this ayahuasca renaissance that's happening that people isn't talked about enough. And I think it's something to be careful of. And I liked the idea of going to Costa Rica. It was closer. It was a direct flight. It was um, air conditioned rooms. And I thought, you know what? At first I felt ashamed that I wanted that. And then I was like, you know what? Medicine experiences. I'm here for them, girl. (laughs) Totally. I was like, oh, I'm so like white privileged spirituality right now. But ultimately I was like, you know what? If this is what I need in order to do this or not do this, and I'm going to be puking and I'm going to be suffering and I'm going to be crying and I'm scared, like I'm scared shitless. I'm going to do this in in a scenario that's going to make me a little bit more comfortable at the end of the day so I can integrate it. You know, I'm not trying to I'm already a spiritual masochist. I don't need to make this any harder for myself. So I really, truly didn't have initial intentions of going. Uh, Dan came up. He talked about this. I connected with Dan after and I was like, hey, we should, you know, talk on the phone. And we we hooked up on uh, Instagram and I started following his. His posts and later that week. As as happenstance would have it, he posted two spots left in. A Dennis McKenna retreat, female only beds. And I was like, huh. And I think that's critical to underscore because I think in the scrolling culture of my day, if it didn't say female only, I wouldn't have looked into it and said, oh, that could be me, (laughs) you know? So it just is like two spots left. Interesting. Dennis McKenna, big fan of his work and obviously Terrence's. I was like, how cool would that be? And I wasn't really in a position where that was financially smart for me at the time. And there were all of these kind of factors that were, would stop me from going. Plus, I didn't really know if I wanted it. But I was messing around with Joe Dispenza meditations at the time. And I was super cynical. I didn't really fully understand as much as I now know about energy and, and being able to consciously create your reality through the manipulation of energy. And at this at this time, that was really out there for me. This was really woo-woo what Joe Dispenza was doing. So I almost like cynically was like, I'm going to fuck around with this. And he says this thing where he wants you to focus on one thing and you write the letter of whatever it is on a piece of paper. So for me, it was like A for ayahuasca. And I was like, okay, universe, like if I meant to go on this trip, you know, you'll make it happen. And uh, I actually had a a really wild experience. I I haven't told this story before because it's a little out there, but I later that day went to a sound bath in a geodesic dome that was a pop-up in the back of this hostel in Austin. And they were projecting, my friend Cyrus Sutton did this amazing film and it, he was projecting this like nature film on the inside of of this geodesic dome and this lady was playing singing bowls. Now, I'd never had any experience with sound meditation before. And being in this dome, the resonance of the sound was just like phenomenal. And I closed my eyes 
And something in me told me to practice becoming the tone. It was like practice becoming the tone. It's like we're talking about melting. It was that. And I didn't know who was giving me this directive. And at the time I was like, "Mm, yeah, cool. I'll try that. Whatever. Uh, But it was probably a higher part of me. And it was like, okay, practice becoming the tone. And certain tones she'd play, I'd be like, oh, that sounds nice. And then other tones, it was like, oh, yeah, like this is my tone. And I was just feeling my whole energy system light up. And at, at some point, I felt the confines of my body sort of melt away. And I was afraid to open my eyes because I thought if I did, I would stop floating. Like it really felt like I was a couple feet off the floor. I couldn't feel anything anymore. And there was just pure light in my awareness. Never really experienced anything like this. And suddenly something else melted into my awareness. And it was like this triad of, of, it felt like beings. And I had never really believed in angels or extraterrestrials or whatever. I mean, I guess I kind of believed, but I just really didn't think about it. I didn't really care. I was like, yeah, probably there's that stuff. So I was so, um, I was just so absorbed in the moment that there was no space for judgment of what was going on. It was pure surrender. And I was like, oh, okay, now there are these three beings appearing before me in my mind's eye. Dope. What do they (laughs) like? Like, what do they have to tell me? Right. And so they appeared there and they were just like, are you serious about this ayahuasca thing? Answer carefully, because if you say yes, we will make it happen swiftly and easily. And I didn't even, yeah, and I didn't even hesitate. Like I couldn't even, it was like this eruption from my heart that was just in that psychic space, just projected. Yes. It was like, yes. And then they were gone. And I was back in the sound meditation, like, all right, let's like, just roll with this. And I have to say, like, I wasn't on any substances, nothing. I was just on sound, which is now I understand pure vibration. And I had just tapped into something else. So as the story ends, by the end of the day, the money for the trip had been gifted to me and Soltara had worked, worked it out with me to like also have a payment plan and a friend of mine had agreed to come with me so that I would like feel safe in, in like less than a day. And we were there 10 days later. It was like a very last minute trip. And I, I remember booking my flight and my flight, the price of it was $111. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And that whole week, all my electronics were just acting so weird. Like I would answer my phone and it would be like, just like the static noise. And it kept happening. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with my vibes right now, but they are, it's making shit go crazy. Um, So yeah, that's the story of how I ended up there. It was absolutely a case of being called until the moment I got in the plane. Actually, after I got in the plane, I was kind of internally kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go. I wasn't pumped. A lot of people on the bus there when I got there were like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited for this experience. Like I was terrified because I knew 
I knew it was going to be huge for me. And I had this deep reverence for that. I had this deep understanding. This deep, I, I went with my friend Kat. And the, the night before we were meeting the rest of the group, we were at this hotel. And we were in the pool. And I was like, what do you think? Like, what do you think your deepest shadows are? And, and what's going to come up for you? And she's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with myself. And I was like, because ah, I was like not feeling that at all. I was like, oh, my gosh, I know I'm such a dark, nebulous person and I'm going to have to puke it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. OK, first of all, I'm honored that you told that story on my show. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I love that you shared that. And also my listeners are on the journey with me of woo woo. So I'm sure they are just very here for it. I love that because it is such a beautiful lesson in listening to your intuition and your knowing and also being open for the divine to work through you. And something that I have been asked a lot of questions about lately is how do you start listening? How do you get into conversation with your higher self and your guides and your angels and the universe and spirit? whatever that feels like for you, how do you get there? And I think for so many of us, it is very much like your experience, not expected out of nowhere. And all of a sudden you are moved physically, emotionally, spiritually moved by this experience. And that opens your channel up. And it also teaches you that in listening, Messages coming through, whether you see them, feel them, hear them, are different than ego. And your ego saying, I'm doing this, I feel this, I'm angry, X, Y, Z, versus I'm going to move you in this direction and this is your path and this is the conversation that a separate entity almost is having with you. I would love to know how you stepped into that listening and how you have worked with those skills since then to allow yourself to continue to be that open channel for this work? That's a great question. I have so much here and I love this topic. Um, For one, one really important thing that people can do is begin to distinguish between who's talking. So if you, if you don't know if it's your intuition or your mind, well, that's, that's how you need to start. And one thing to pay attention is they speak in different voices. So when the mind is talking, you might even feel a little breathless, like it's breathy. The thoughts are coming fast. It's like, but I shouldn't do this. But maybe I should. But maybe this. Like, and and I find the mind, like I'm doing it right now. The mind is talking in like fast sentences and it's kind of all over the place. The intuition speaks like this. And the intuition says yes. Or it says no. Or it says wait. Or it says go. Or it says trust. And it's rooted in a different part of your body. And if if you can't tell, try saying the thought out loud. You know, you can. It's like, should I should I go be with this person right now? It's like say yes, say no. Practice melting, like you and I have been talking about. 
if I melt into the idea of this, how does my physiology respond? If I melt into the idea of this, how does my physiology respond? Like, mm, okay, that client wants to work with me. I'm not sure about them. Let me, let me melt into that, you know? So just even using that terminology, I mean, I, we're just making this up on the fly, but um, yeah, like trying to almost fantasize yourself into a situation and see if you feel a sense of contraction or expansion inside of your physical vehicle. Because what you're essentially doing when you're fantasizing about a situation is you're, you're transcending time space. Like you're, you're actually operating already in that possibility in the future. And if you don't like that future that you're experiencing, don't choose it in the now. So that's, you know, that's one really, really powerful tool that I think people can start employing. Another thing that is cool to start playing with the intuition is plan a day. I got this from my friend, Samantha. Plan a day where you have, don't have to worry about any of your responsibilities. So maybe it's a Sunday. You don't set an alarm. You tell everybody, you turn off your phone, you tell all your partners, your kids, whatever. You just get it all handled as much as possible to give yourself a day. And then you don't do anything that doesn't feel right. Nothing. So it's like, hmm, what do I want for breakfast? Should I have eggs or should I have pancakes? And feel it, like feel it. Which one excites you? Which one lights you up? Don't worry about what the calories or what the, if this is a good or if this is right. It's like, no, just your body actually has way more wisdom of what you need than you give it credit for. I mean, you think about childbirth. It's like, okay, now we have modern medicine, but women's bodies have been giving birth, which is kind of a complicated and very dangerous process for a long time before we had all the drugs and all the hospital beds and everything. So it's like, trust your body. It, it knows. Um, yeah, so those are some major things as far as cultivating intuition that immediately come to mind. Something that came up for me, I shared on an episode recently, and it was the best example I have in differentiating my ego from my body and understanding how to listen. So I was, I, I don't know if you know all these things, but I came out as bisexual a few months ago and so I've been in experiences with women. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, so I've been in these experiences with women, which are very new for me. And so I also work with a somatic therapist and I was in this experience and my head was freaking the fuck out, telling me all the things you're disgusting. You're gross. This is embarrassing. Your parents would be so ashamed. You're such a disappointment. How dare you? All, all the voice things. My body, however, was feeling very good and very happy and wanting more. And mm. that was such a struggle for me because I just kept going back and forth. Like you were talking earlier about this internal battle. I'm like, is this good? Is this bad? I like it. I hate it. What's happening. So I, when I got on the phone with her and I told her about this experience and she said, when you were in that and you were in the fear and you were hearing it over and over repetitive, what was your body doing? And I said, my body was melting into the experience. I was really aroused. I felt so good. It felt so safe and so right for me. It felt very true to me. And she said, and that's what you get to listen to. 
because the voice is going to creep in. The voice is going to tell you you're wrong, you're not good enough, you're gross, you're shameful. And your job is to just listen to your body, to just sit in the listening of your body and allow your body to dictate. That helped me so much with everything. Like you were saying, it differentiated what the voice was, where it was coming from. And it helped me learn to trust my body in a very new way that I never had before. And I had never really been in that kind of challenging situation. And so I got to lean into pleasure and joy and feeling good and let go of the noise. Mm. That's such a beautiful experience. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think, I think you nailed it. It's like, I keep coming back to being a really big fan of the law of attraction and the teachings of Abraham. And they always say the most important thing is that you feel good. And a lot of us would be like, well, that's selfish. But really it's like, well, it's your choice between love or fear or suffering or joy. So it's important that you feel good. And your emotions are indicators of whether or not you are in alignment with your true self. So if you're not feeling good about something, there's an invitation to unpack the story around why you're doing the thing that you hate or why you're spending time around the people that are making you miserable. And I'm not saying that to defer responsibility from diving into what your patterns are, what your shadows are. Maybe that is the indi- what the indicator is for. Like, hey, there's something for you to look at here. Um, but just just to, I guess, accept responsibility to empower ourselves, to stop putting things outside ourselves. Well, well, I'm stressed because I have kids and I have responsibilities and, you know, no one's helping me and this and this and that. And it's like, okay, hmm, this is an emotional indicator. My intuition says, my body says, I want rest. I want help. Okay, I want help. I've just identified. I'm switching from victim into what I want. Now, what I want is help. And it's really important that vibrationally I identify um, that I'm not going to radiate the frequency of like, I need help. I need help. Who's helping me? It's like, mm, I'm melting into how good it feels when that help comes into my life. You see how my voice just changed? It's like, Mm, it's like, oh, yes, thank you, help, for coming into my life. I surrender to what that help looks like. I just know I don't want to fight anymore, and I feel like I have too much going on. So however that comes, I'm going to look out for that miracle now. It's like the whiny voice versus the sexy voice. The whiny voice is the fucking <laughs> ego. The sexy voice is your intuition. Use your sexy voice, goddammit. Right? Use your sexy voice, Yes. Like, that's what I keep thinking when you like drop in. I'm like, oh, it's her sexy voice. But it's true. (laughs) You're when I hear my guides or I hear spirit, I'm connected. First of all, I went like they touch me on the right on my right shoulder and they're always right next to my right ear and they always talk into my right ear. And it is such a soft, like sensual, supportive, you're held touch and their voices are so calm. And so slow and so soft. And it is a very intimate experience. And when I'm talking to myself, it's like racing thoughts in conversation. Mm. Very different. So just Mm -hmm. use your sexy voice. If it's not a sexy voice, you're not here for it. (laughs) I think that's 
maybe one of the most wise things we've ever said. Use your sexy voice. <laughs> Perfect. That's how I'm going to Can I get that on a t-shirt? Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a course on this called Using Your Sexy Voice exactly. with Hallie and Kelly. I, hey, girl, that's a great idea. We should definitely look into that. I'm down. <laughs> so given that you have sat with the medicine so much over the last year, in what ways has it moved you and shifted you? Oh, girl. I'm a completely different person. And as cliche as that sounds, it's true. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's been easy. It really hasn't. And going in as fast and as deep as I went, I've definitely had my own struggles with integration. But... What I'm learning is that we get to choose how we write our own story. And I've noticed weeks of my life where I'm choosing the story that it's all hard, it's all meaningless, I'm alone in this, it's this or that, and feeling the feeling of that within my body as truth in the moment or untruth, whatever. And then writing a different story. Like this week, for example, I'm I'm in my mid-cycle energy. So I'm just I like I have tons of stamina and I'm feeling creative. And so I'm choosing a different story this week. I'm choosing that the help is coming in for everything that I need for the podcast and for social media and all this support is coming in and that the weather's changing and I'm enjoying time with friends and nothing really has changed externally in my life so drastically other than I am allowing those things to come into my life. I'm not resisting them by refusing to see that they're right there. Because if you're stuck in the negative story, all you're going to see is more of the negative story. There's You you won't allow those miracles to, to be seen because they're viscerally at odds with the story your ego is trying to choose. And when you can recognize the immense power and responsibility that you have. We each have to take that sovereignty and and not disempower ourselves by pretending it's outside of my, ourselves. So I that's I mean that's one thing I've been dancing with is it's kind of ugly to be like, well, I feel like shit and also this is kind of of my creation. <laughs> and um the biggest hurdle to get over is kind of shifting those gears because once you start shifting into a different momentum you know you just have to continue with that momentum and um yeah, I don't know if that answered your question but that's what wanted to come out <laughs> well and I love that too because I think you know thanks to Instagram awakenings are just fucking rainbows and butterflies yet <laughs> when you talk to anyone who's really gone through it it is face down in the dirt, writhing in pain, suffering, awareness you never knew you had, coming to terms with things that you didn't know, taking personal responsibility. Uh, it feels very ugly at times. And that is beautiful. Totally. And at the end of my experiences with ayahuasca, I think that being there for such a long time, I had the gift of being able to work through a lot of stories and traumas from this lifetime. And then by the end of it, I think that 
we'll say I was granted access to something deeper. And thinking that I had been to deep places in like the first 10, I was like, oh, that was deep. And then going where I went, seeing what I saw and understanding what I understood. It's, it's hard. It's really, truly hard to come back and be a person <laughs> sometimes after the, the immensity of that. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I had, uh, I had my crown chakra blown open, basically, in my 13th ceremony to the point where I had to like press my crown into the dirt for like five hours and I was feeling my energy phasing in and out of my physical body like a like a weak radio signal that I was afraid I was going to lose and I couldn't feel my hands and uh, my boyfriend at the time was there with me and I remember grabbing his hand and and saying like I need you to grow roots from my body into the earth like I need you to energetically and then there was someone like purging off the the star deck there and I I could they were maybe 15 16 feet away from me and I could feel their energy as if someone had dropped a glass in the kitchen and it had shattered on the floor and the fractals went across the floor and were like skittering over to me and I was feeling their density and it was alarming and astonishing and I'd never experienced anything like that and I was asking Ross like you need to put up a, a block between me and that person and I mean I'd, I'd never really said stuff like that before um, but he just luckily he just went with it and I knew the exact prescription of what I needed to make it through what what felt like pretty much like eight hours of labor I mean they had closed ceremony at this time so it was like out in the star deck fully experiencing like losing touch with my body and sometimes I'd be fine. I'd be talking to him. He'd be holding my hand, asking me how I was doing. And then I would say to him, I'm leaving again. And it was like I was just being sucked out of my body and um, terrifying. And I was trying to, I was like fighting it. And I was like, no, you can't fight it. And I was like, what if I let go too deep and I die? And I was like, it's a possibility. Um, and, you know, maybe you wake up from this dream. And, and then I felt really sad about that. And then I had to process, okay, well, why do you feel sad? Well, you like the life that you have. Oh, that's a blessing. You're attached. How beautiful. How beautiful. You love the family you have. You love the freedom you have. Wow, that's so nice. And I mean, it was immense. Even the next day, the healer had to give me a private flower bath for just me because my crown was so open. I just felt like vomiting all the time. It, it felt like there was a hole in the center of my head and there was just like heat radiating off the top of it. So yeah, she, she got all her plants, her, her basil, and she made me this private flower bath and just tried to like put the energy back in my crown because I was just so sick and I had this sharp, sharp migraine and Again, this is like a, this is, I've never, I've never told this story publicly, but after we left the center, uh, Ross and I were in a hotel and I remember this 
almost like lobotomized feeling of being like, so am I still a person? Like, do I exist or am I still in the medicine space? Like, am I in a dream? Is this real? I was like, oh, I'm going crazy. Okay, this is scary. And then you like have that thought and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. And I remember um, taking a t-shirt. <laughs> this sounds so embarrassing to admit, but I took a t-shirt and I wrapped it around my head like a turban and I tied it tight and I slept with it like that. And I walked around all day like that in the hotel room. I clearly wasn't leaving or going anywhere. I was just way too out of it. But it was the only way I could stop from kind of like leaving, leaving my body. And and so the first two weeks were, were just wild. And I was in this confusing liminal space all the time, just like I'd try to go to sleep and I would be pulled right into seeing fractal geometry and feeling work being done on my physical body and just dissolving completely. And then I was awake and I wasn't feeling rested and I wasn't really sure what was going on. And then, um, you know, launched into a breakup like six days later in, in a foreign country, which was supposed to be our vacation and our ayahuasca integration. And, and uh, again, this was like the person I thought I was going to spend my life with. So I, I definitely got pushed to my absolute edge. And I remember sitting outside, feeling like my center of gravity had collapsed to the size of a penny and was dropping through my body into the earth. And I was just nauseous with the pain and the confusion and the break, like everything that was happening. It just, I was like, what's happening? Like, I can't grasp onto any thread of anything making sense. And, and then that voice came in again and it said, just breathe. Focus on the sound of the birds. Focus on the birds. And I was like, but this, but that, but that. And it was like, birds. <laughs> Just birds. Only birds right now, Holly. That's all you've got. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, and I say this not to freak people out, but just to be like, hey, if this is happening to you, know that you're not alone. This spiritual awakening, particularly when you have super high frequency energies coming through. It's like getting a software upgrade that, you know, your old system's not quite prepared for. And I wished at that time I would have had more support. And now I've attracted that support into my life. But I hope that, you know, if there's someone hearing this that's like, oh, I've been experiencing things like that, or I keep leaving my body, or I keep hearing weird noises, or when I close my eyes, I see fractals, or when I hear sound, I see things. You know, like any of those things, like you're not crazy. Pay attention to it. This is going to be happening to more and more of us. And to just trust that everything is going to be okay. And it's not always going to feel as intense as it's feeling when it first comes on. Do you believe that you got all of that at that time because you were ready for it? I do. I mean, I don't think... Consciously, I would have said I was ready for it. Um, but I think that my whole life, yeah, I was being prepared in some way for that. And I think that's the piece that I still have to integrate because, again, it feels like a great deal of responsibility and 
what you were saying before about being on TV and like having it all. And I, I struggle with, I guess, fear of ego getting big. And what that does is it actually keeps me smaller, which is really just my ego. Um, but I, I go like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes to step out there with the power of the truth of who I am. You know, that just, it feels like an immense amount of responsibility, but I think that's what, what I'm being called to do now. And I never planned on saying any of this on this podcast. This is just, this is like my coming out. And I don't want to hide anymore from, from what's happening. <laughs> and I want others to know it's okay. And I'm ready. I'm ready to take these, these higher vibes and share and help help heal. We can all heal. We have to heal ourselves. Every single one of us, it's our responsibility, but we don't have to do it alone. I'm so proud of you <laughs> and so grateful for you. And from someone else on a very similar journey, who is also just stepping into her own power and letting go of all the fear around that. I see you and I am so cheering you on and I need you. Mm. So keep going. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.